Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hello and welcome to this episode of Life on the Illinois Prairie. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter, and I hope you can hear the excitement in my voice. We have uh, our series thus far for this season has been Myths, Mysteries, and Misconceptions of the Amish. And although my guest today is definitely not Amish, he has a gallery and lives in Arthur and has become a very important part of that community. Jerry Winters. Welcome to the show, Jerry. I'm so excited that you are here. I cannot tell you. You think you're excited, Wendy. This is wonderful. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you this morning and I'm alive and I'm I don't have, I said I'm I'm somewhere between eighty one and death, but I haven't figured that out. But uh, I'm glad <laughs> to be here and more glad to talk to you this morning. Well, you have such a uh, an, an interesting background. And would you like to start off by telling us about your your start and your life? I know that you're still a painter, but how did you get started? How did you start painting in your family? Your family were both your parents are both stage performers, weren't they? Well, my mother was a stage mother, and uh, she took care of all the back behind the scenes stuff and uh, chased me around a lot because the. Uh, security people couldn't find me and I was always in trouble when I was a kid. So she started me painting, by the way, uh, with paint by number in those years. And uh, I couldn't have been but about seven or eight years old then, but I was a holy terror, I guess, backstage. <laughs> and so I continued on the painting career, by the way, all my life until uh, I'm still painting now. But uh, that was that was her way of uh, gently helping me control myself and uh, so where where were you born jerry i was originally born in i was born in a place called berea ohio outside of cleveland and that that was a situation where where uh, my my dad of course was Baldwin wallace which is there but uh, berea is very small in fact the people i have been there for years and years and years but uh, we had a little house out in the country. But most of our family, my mother's side was Hungarian. So uh, uh, the relatives were in the Hungarian part of Cleveland. And uh, they were all musicians, basically. Uh, some people called them gypsies, I think. And I'm not quite sure about the bloodline here. But uh, uh, I think my great-grandmother was born in Budapest, or Buda, and my great-grandfather was born in Pest across the Danube there. But uh, I was uh, birthed into a musical family, and everybody that I can think of uh, was trying to recall relatives. They all played instruments. They were singers, and they were dancers, and so forth. So that, that became my, uh, my connection into the music world. And, of course, my dad uh, went uh, super professional. He was a um, saxman, clarinet, he, he sang, whatever. And I remember back in those days, and I'm talking about probably the early, the war days and, uh, and after, 
we were so engrossed in music that uh, that's I started learning songs and remembering songs when I was four and five and six years old that were popular in the thirties, <laughs> long before I was around. So that that kind of continued on, and that helped build my my uh, background repertoire. And I I remember I was uh, performing even when I was seven and eight. I was started. I, I I was trying to get my own feet on the ground, uh, and I was rather adventurous. And I grabbed a job wherever I could, and uh, I started playing in some restaurants to begin with. Uh, that I could earn some money on my own, I remember, and uh, some dinner houses. And uh, people were rather startled that uh, I knew songs from the 20s and the 30s <laughs> and so forth. So I filled in wherever I could, and I probably played every every restaurant around. And we had uh, put our base out in Arizona at that time, and uh, my family. And, uh, and my dad was starting to go his own direction. My brothers, I had two older brothers. We were four, all four years apart. And they were getting their own feet into uh, the music world. And they all went pretty professional. And uh, they were with uh, leading bands, traveling, recording. And so I rather got on my own when I was really too young to be on my own, but I uh, I loved every moment of it, and I worked every stage I could find, every platform I could find, as the kids talk about the computers. And um, it brought me into opera. It brought me into – Dad connected me into – uh, music to the point where we all had to learn theory and piano and we had to take tap and ballet and we had to take uh, modern dance and uh, languages and so forth and so that was the beginning but I hit the road a lot earlier than my brothers did uh, they were uh, they were not that early on the road but I went on tour again I think when I was about 10 and 11 years old Grabbing oh some uh, in the agencies that say, you know, well, there's this supper club in so-and-so town. Would you like to work there and so forth? So I I, I got my own wings young. Hmm. That was the only time I was young. <laughs> I don't think that's true. So, And then uh, we can go whatever direction you want. Well, you just you just talk about whatever uh, wherever you're you're compelled to go. Please do because uh, I want to hear your story, and I know the listeners will want to hear it too. Well, you know, I could skirt, skirt over the top of things. Um, I progressed on to um, I tried opera and so forth as a young. I had a, a voice developing even when I was thirteen and fourteen, and that did not compute for me and my dad who was my god and guidance said uh, kid they're going to stick you in the chorus and that's where you're going to end up being but you're a lead performer and so he moved me into the musical comedy uh, uh, aspect in the musicals of the days and um, I went in as extras at that time in fact I had an EF of M card when I was seven or eight years old and uh, I was trying every venue I could find to to learn about that area as I was growing. And so I went into stand-up comedy when I was young. I guess I was a terror. Um, I moved on through, let's see, into the teen years and 
And if you remember Wayne Newton, uh, Wayne and Jerry, uh, we were in Phoenix at that time, and uh, we were very competitive. Uh, <laughs> I, I, every time I turn around, in fact, every time I turn around when I was uh, in, in uh, seventh grade and we were in sixth grade and we lived in the same area of Phoenix, and he'd show up at a state competition for, for talent or whatever, the small uh, states and we had things almost like America's Got Talent, only it's on a very small scale, you know. And uh, he would uh, win first, and I'd get second, and, and and we would show up at all these uh, competitions across America. When we heard there was a competition for some sort of talents, we and he was always there, and so we were rather competitive. And then sometimes uh, I'd take first and win a bicycle and some money for college or something. I don't even recall all of it. But it, it that moved on to the day I opened Vegas at 14. And as I arrived the night before, and this was the early days in the Fremont Hotel, I think. And as I was all excited, the agency had finally got me into Vegas. And so it was the lounge of the Fremont Hotel. In those years and as i pulled up the night before it said it was closing night for wayne newton <laughs> and i thought oh he's following me i followed him all the way here and so uh, i moved in his dressing room as he was moving out of the dressing room and we were very cordial to each other you know <laughs> and so uh, uh progressed from one thing to the other and i worked every venue from I got into the theater doing um, fill-ins and so forth up in the Catskills and and uh, started doing uh, some road shows, uh, every little thing I could find. And in between, I'd call the agency. If there's nothing going on, I'd hit the papers and look for something to work for. And so I really kind of remained pretty independent. And um, along the way, I uh, I managed to uh, find uh, a, a, the real niche I felt was musical comedy. I love that. And mm. so I was early on to cast and so forth. Oh, I did. I told you I got into opera for a while, but I got out of that. And uh, Joel Gray became a, a mentor for me in those early years. And I uh, managed to do uh, probably almost 17 years, I think, I counted all together, of. Uh, uh, the old shows, uh, South Pacific, Roar the Grease Band, Smell of the Crowd, uh, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, and blah, 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 on down the line. And while I was appearing at uh, uh, San Francisco at the Fairmount, beautiful five-star hotel, and I I had my own show at that time in, in orchestra, and uh, um, my late wife was in the audience, and she sent a card back. And she was in those years a director uh, for a Texas company we don't have to talk about, but uh, she was she was a very key player. And they were having meetings upstairs, and and uh, they came down for my dinner show. And uh, she sent a card back on one of my agents' phone number, and uh, she booked me for their national convention at that time. And I think it was at the Dallas Convention Center several months later. And, uh, you know, people talk about love at first sight. Well, this was instantaneous combustion. And we were married, uh, I think, about three months after. Now, that goes back 
56 years ago, I think. And she thought my life was a little more interesting than hers. And so uh, she took over my career and became my personal manager. And then she got a little... I was painting a lot because on the road, I always carried my paints because there was nothing to do in the daytime if you were doing the clubs or night shows or whatever the venue. And so I was always in hotels and I'd paint in the daytime. And I gifted uh, people in the cast or the director when I left the show or left it, uh, whatever I was doing. And so she got a hold of that. She said, Jerry, uh, what do you do with your art? And I said, well... I give it away sometimes to family members. Well, she said, you know, I'm I'm free now, and I'm pretty reasonable, as a matter of fact. And uh, <laughs> I think after meeting some of your musician friends and your artist friends, uh, I could help you with that. Would you like some help? Uh, you know, you, you seem to be some of the worst business people I ever met in my life. And <laughs> she was quite an entrepreneur, you know? That's that's what launched me. I tell you what, she took over my career performance-wise, and I couldn't believe that uh, the venue should, that she got for me. And then she took over uh, my art career, and immediately after we were married, we settled in Pebble Beach 55 years ago. And uh, that was our home base, and up the road there from Betty White, and uh, I felt very comfortable. And Mr. Clint Eastwood was uh, right down the way here next to us, and uh, Doris Day and, and these people and then of course the Bing Crosby Pro-Am brought the Rat Pack there and uh, I got uh, acquainted with uh, Mr. Hope and went uh, and Dolores and Bob Hope and launched my career into the USO which was a super part of my world and still is as a matter of fact and I'll shut up for a minute do you have anything else to say to me while oh, I'm drinking oh water? no I think you should oh. just keep going I only have one question you had mentioned earlier on it AFOM card is that what you said a card AFOM oh, musician yes and in the sad card and um SAG and what's the other one? Uh, screen Extras, Screen Extras, uh, American Federation of Musicians. And by the way, my dad really pounded that in our head when we were kids traveling. You know, he's a big union man. And he told me one day we were playing Chicago, I think. And he said, McNulty boys were in Chicago now. And let me educate you about remembering that you do not work non union houses. You do not play with non-union bands and you may want to do two nights because they need somebody for two nights to play uh, their saxophone and he's referring to my brothers <laughs> but they'll find you at the bottom of the river with cement in your shoes and <laughs> terrified us <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so I went on with uh USO pretty strongly and I for almost 12 years uh, I was with the USO shows and uh, and I moved in the plat I moved in the in the company of USO uh, national and international uh, shows to uh, auditioning other people to go and so forth and that was an interesting thing on the side but uh, I did about uh, I think my late wife kept some pretty 
accurate records, I think I did over 40 airdrops into the interior of Vietnam in those years with my own small show because we could do it with one chopper and uh, either Brooke Shields or I'd bring a Miss America with me and or a drummer and my bass man and electric piano and a little generator and we were off and running and they'd plop us down in the jungles of doing about four shows a day sometimes and moving on to the next group. And um, these these were really important parts of my life. And I was able to recruit some of the top stars. We would go down to Hollywood and get into the you know, lots and sit down with them and talk to them about doing USO shows. And so mm. um, we were well cared for, well taken care of. And, of course, uh, uh, some of our guys uh, have come across. We've crossed paths on several occasions that we traveled with, but confidentially, I've outlived several of the people I work with. Uh, One of the interviewers asked me the other uh, day uh, about a couple of things, little simple things, and then they said, who's Bob Hope? And I went, okay, <laughs> this is going to be a long <laughs> session, I think. Oh, my gosh. Oh. But anyway. Please continue. Well, I'll tell you it's what. That my my career, uh, I've been retired now about eight years, and uh, we decided to retire totally about uh, six years ago. And uh, my late wife and I came back here to Arthur because she was born back here originally, and she didn't tell me that until we were <laughs> married at least three years. And I said, "Oh, by the way, you know, you know." And, she said, well, you've not been in the Midwest a lot, have you, Jerry? I said, no. Well, you know, I did the Muni in, in uh, St. Louis several times, I think. But you're in a hotel, and you don't get to meet the Midwestern people. But I'd love to do that. Uh, and she said, well, I'm talking total retirement. Would you like to retire back there? <laughs> and I said, what, near Chicago or what? And she said, no, I'm thinking of Arthur. Okay. <laughs> And tell me who who Arthur is. And she said, <laughs> and then she was messing with me. She said, "I did, Jerry. Uh, uh, no, no, it's a, it's a place." And I said, "Okay, in the Midwest, uh huh? Is it a good sized city or what?" And she said, "No, it's kind of like what Carmel was. We first opened our first gallery in Carmel fifty five years ago for your art." Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're, we'll do that. She was, you know, she was the boss. And I said, okay, let's go for that. And we got back here. And uh, she, I, is this the whole thing? <laughs> it's three blocks here. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> and of course, packed everything. And, uh, you know, I had wardrobe in the 40s and 50s. And I never threw anything out. And so she asked me one day, can you lower your profile a little bit? I mean, those striped <laughs> socks that you're wearing, there's stuff. I, do, I, have, I mean, I must have tuxedos in every color of the rainbow. You know, when you finish a performance <laughs> and things, they're brand new. You know, you take them. And so uh, I'm, I'm now called the rhinestone Amish. <laughs> it's an <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I don't wearing them because it keeps the buggies from running over me. But these people have embraced me and and, uh, and Joe, my late wife, and she ended up getting COVID uh, 
two years after we got here, and so I had a pity party for a year and a half. I didn't touch my Steinway. I didn't paint a painting, and and so, you know, I don't know what people do without faith. Good night. Uh, it, it's the only thing that brought me through. I'm, I'm loving it here. I, I have a place for her. Um, in my heart, I put her right here in this town. She's down the road in the cemetery here in Arthur, and mm -hmm. that'll be right next door to her. Um, but I was mad at her. You know, she's up in heaven there. She's opening stores doing all sorts of promotion for Gabriel or something. I don't know. But the local people took me in and the doors opened at my gallery. And, and you know, the word gets around in these little towns. I've never experienced mm. that before. I have a little red car and they tell me where it's been all week long. You know, didn't I see a car out of so-and-so? So it, it, it's interesting. They have, they have loved me back to life. And I tell you what. I haven't cooked in two years. I get cookies and casseroles come to me, and they bring them in from these different churches. And I'm playing for the Vine Street Church over here once in a while. and I, I am so content, and I feel so safe, and I feel so special. And this has been the biggest year of the five years I've been here now for the gallery. It's just humming along, and I can't paint fast enough. And I love the people. Love <laughs> the people here. They have time for you. Yeah. They, they, even the ones that aren't sure, if you find one or two, they're, they're people <laughs> of their word, integrity, good right. stuff. And we get to singing and carrying on, and now we're getting bus loads coming down. We had seven buses one Saturday, three from uh, Chicago, four from St. Louis, and they all have about – 40 to 50 women or a couple of guys on the bus and they're all between 70 and death and they've got their <laughs> social security in their pocket and they're going to rock and roll in Arthur and Yoders and, and they want, now they've been coming back the same ones every year. And so we get to play happy anniversary and happy birthday to them. And we play crazy songs on the piano. And, <laughs> and uh, it seems I know what I know from the year before baseball, you know, so I'll shut up for a minute now. Drink my water. <laughs> well, you know when we, we we've had one of your private concerts at the at the store when we when Sarah thought Sarah came back and forgotten her had forgotten her phone and you followed her out the door and locked the door and we said oh Jerry we didn't know it was closing time and you said oh no no sit down and you started playing tunes and yeah that's right you Stacey haven't, was you haven't Tony anything Pete. yet. So. We have what? <laughs> Haven't bought anything. Oh, yes, I we, we, <laughs> we lock the door until you buy something. <laughs> and if you buy a lot of stuff, you'll get the first act of sound of music or whatever. And uh, and then if you're from one of the churches, you know, you buy three more pair of socks in the shop. I do the second verse of the Old Oregon Cross. Or we, we get to fellowshipping and having a good time. And that's what it's all about. We've never been in there, but what you have, uh, there's a line always forming for people that come, all your friends that want to come in and talk to you, friends from church and different different groups. So, Oh, dear. That's what it's all about. i tell you what, that's what it's all about. You, you, you once said that you really, you didn't, you, you once said you really didn't have real friends until you moved to Arthur because your life was as, well, as a... You know, I, I don't want to imply that it's 
that my dad did anything wrong because he never did. He did everything from the heart, but he overprotected us boys. And especially backstage, he'd tell us, you know, now you don't give out your town. You don't tell them where you live. You don't give out phone numbers. You can sign your pictures and blah, blah, blah. And uh, you keep a wall, uh, if you will. You're gracious to the people between you and your audience and privacy and always. And so when I got here, I couldn't, I was startled. I mean, literally startled. Uh, now, I don't know how far this podcast goes because maybe people don't want me to tell it, but I see keys hanging in the cars here at the grocery <laughs> store. I, well, I, In fact, when I bought my home house here, we had to have the locks put on one of the doors that had no lock out of it at all ever and uh and it is people caring about people here and the amish i have taken me in i went to my first amish wedding and you don't get invited to the amish weddings they're pretty special you know and there were like 600 people there and all got beards and here i was and i had to dress down a little bit so i i just wore a plain suit and did those things, you know, and <laughs> I had a wonderful, wonderful spiritual experience there. And they come in and buy my French soap and they buy my hot socks because they have hardwood floors. And if the socks don't come above the tennis shoe, then we can get away with some pretty wild patterns <laughs> inside. So they're, they're happy. And I have some Mennonite socks that are pastel and lovely. And then I have hot socks for everybody else. I mean, I have crazy ones. I've got the presidents out of. I've got to, every nation practically. Uh, anyway, on my socks, and I did uh, the money from my socks is being divided now for ways in between houses for habitat, wounded warriors. Let's see, it goes four ways. The Bob Hope Foundation for the VA. Um, Paradise Vets of America did I say that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, and it's not just a little pittance. Uh, that whole section of ties and socks is devoted to the VA, period. That's the way that goes. That's wonderful. And that, go, and that goes back, I'm sure, to your experience in the, in the USO shows and your time in Vietnam. That I'm sure uh, that will stick well, with you forever. Yeah, absolutely. That was the highlight of my whole career, that whole section of, of my life. Even the burn wards in, in Japan, we did the burn wards, handshake tours, and uh, they were very, very special. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, I'll never, ever regret that. But I tell you what, uh, I, I get them coming in saying, do you know my dad saw your show? And blah, blah, blah. I think, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Them next to say, my grandfather saw your show. <laughs> In fact, my great grandfather saw your show. <laughs> anyway, enough about age. Well, I think that's that is so fascinating, so interesting that you doing that kind of show and seeing that the um, soldiers. I just can't imagine how that would touch you emotionally in, in ways that no, no other kind of performance would. I mean, I know that, that um, you see things that no, most of us would never see. Boy, Christmas Eve, I did, a, I think, eight Christmases over there. Christmas Eve, you have not 
lived until you stood on the deck at night with all those candles burning, singing mm. Silent Night. Mm. Uh, uh, I was going to say, that, that had uh, to be so uh, powerful. It's amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep, yep, yep. Well, um, I was going to ask you to talk about the um, painting from the Woodbine Farm that you had shown me that you're painting at the Woodbine Farm. Could you talk about the Woodbine Farm a little bit? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have all those notes on the farm right in front of me, but uh, sure. Uh, this this dear family that we met uh, years ago when I was coming back here, uh, just coming back to visit uh, grandkids and so forth, and I met this gentleman, and uh, in fact, he sold me uh, my house on, on, at the country club, and we got acquainted with him, and his family are very philanthropic, and uh, owned a lot of properties, and uh, his great-great-grandfather bought the largest farm in Macon County, and he asked me, would you, uh, he, he came out to California, that's it, and he came in the gallery, that's how I met him originally years ago, and uh, we had a place over in France, and uh, he used our house over in France, we became such good friends, and he bought some original paintings of mine. And he said, you know, I have a place back in Illinois. Would you consider, it's rather historic, and would you consider coming back on a plane and, uh, and doing a commission? And so I agreed to do that. I think I made four trips back and photographed it and, and produced the piece. It's big. It's a really good-sized painting. It's one of the largest I've ever done. It took me almost six months, and uh, and it's of the Woodbine Farm in Dalton City, and it was, of course, the largest farm in those years in the county, um, and the owner had the mansion built uh, with bricks of the clay that was on the property there. It, it's actually in Dalton City, and the back of the painting depicts the high, the highway, uh, highway, yeah, right, 36, I believe it is, and uh, train tracks are there, so I've got a train on it, and they, he raised Buffalo, the original man there, and so that's included, and uh, I, I wish I had the notes in front of me on the details, but anyway, uh, he also, the gentleman that commissioned it, uh, Pat Penhaligon, the Penhaligon family, um, I did that painting, and it hung in their foyer coming into the beautiful mansion. And that property was put on the National Registry uh, not very long ago. It has the plaque out front, extraordinary property. And now mm. it has been deeded over at last two weeks ago to the Macon County Conservation. Uh, and they did the same thing with the Oglesby House, which uh, Governor Oglesby, I think Oglesby was governor maybe three terms or something, the mansion there in Decatur. And uh, they fixed that up and, and again, uh, gifted that to uh, the county conservation and so forth. You can take tours there. 
they're going to do the same thing now with this property uh, that I painted. And so it, uh, the gentleman, Mr. Pat Penhaligan, had left on a plane last Friday for California. He's retiring out there. And so uh, the painting was removed from the house while they're getting it ready for the, uh, the mansion for tours. And then I understand they're going to try to do a, uh, a full venue with gardens and weddings held out there and so forth. And it's on Stephan Road, I believe, in Dalton City. But anyway, I, I went over and saw the painting for the first time in six or seven years. I painted in 14, 2014, I believe. And so we removed the painting, and copies of it are going to go on my website coming up, uh, uh, clay copies. Uh, but the original is on ex exhibition for now in the gallery in, here in Arthur. And uh, several papers have done full-color uh, releases on on this and so people are coming in to see this painting it really is uh, an extraordinary piece of work and i don't know that i could produce something like that now uh, on that scale but uh, and it also is in consideration for a mural for decatur on one of the buildings this painting mm -hmm. and so uh, the good things are still going on God's using me sometimes if I oh, keep my I head on straight and take my vitamins and things. I feel like <laughs> Yeah, of course you would. And um, this gallery, having the gallery and being where you are, having lost your wife, if you didn't have that gallery, we probably wouldn't have you right now, would we? It well, you know, nobody wants to be off in a nursing home drooling in the corner as long as I can, mm -hmm. I can, my hands and feet and head are working a little bit. <laughs> and I love to have my piano there. And so, you know, it's, it's a labor of love. And I tell you what, this town has surrounded me and I am also, I don't, I haven't been more than 25 miles from that gallery in, in three years. And I was used to 12, 11, 12 months on the road every year. And I think when I die and go to heaven, I'm going to change planes in O'Hara. That's something that feels I want to thank you for joining us today. We've had a great visit with artist, entertainer, and gallery owner Jerry Winters in Arthur, Illinois. I'd like to invite you to come back next week for part two. If you'd like to invite your friends to share, like, or subscribe to this podcast, we'd appreciate that very much. And if you'd like to contact me, you can do so at windexlotip at gmail.com. We want to thank you for stopping by, and please come and see us again next week. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.